Hello, and welcome to the CEO Blind Spot Show, where leaders lead leaders. I'm your host, Birgit Camps, and today's guest is Rich Thompson, who is the CEO and founder of three companies called Podium X, XPG Recruit, and Extra Point Group. And in addition, he is the author of a book called Relentless. Welcome to the show, Rich. Thanks a lot for having me, Birgit. Well, it certainly has been fun to reconnect with you, considering you were my previous boss and you continued on to be the global head of talent for a global Fortune 500 company. You were also later promoted to chief HR officer of a $10 billion region for the largest staffing company in the world. And now you have a book out called Relentless, but very few people know that your career didn't start in the corporate world. You were actually a kicker and started with the University of Wisconsin and got several awards there. And then you were a free agent for the Green Bay Packers. But I understand that till this day, you hold the record for the most field goals. Is that accurate? Yeah, in a season at Wisconsin. Absolutely. So I can kind of guess one of the reasons you succeeded in so many different areas of life by the title of your book. <laughs> Is it because you're so relentless or what would you say are one of the two reasons why you have succeeded as a leader? Well, so listen, again, thanks for having me. It's a great question. I don't know if it's because I'm relentless or a knucklehead or both. <laughs> and I, I think that um, what I learned as an athlete is, you know, the, the opportunity and the sacrifice and the willingness that it takes to be uncomfortable and to learn and to grow through being relentless and being resilient. And that's one of the things that we like so much about working with athletes is not just that they're competitive or that they are adaptable, but they have a tendency of, you know, trying, failing, learning, trying, failing, failing, learning. And I think as an athlete, you learn that, um, and that obviously conditions you for later in life. So I, I do attribute a lot to my early time as an athlete and being surrounded by some really great coaches to, to help me along the way. Yeah. In fact, if, if I read this correctly, you actually learned the importance in business of having a good culture by your coach. You worked under the legendary Hall of Fame coach, Barry Alvarez. Yeah. When he took over the University of Wisconsin, we, I mean, honestly, Barry, we were not very good. And uh, we not only were we not winning, but we were not very uh, disciplined from a cultural perspective. And we had a long way to go and a lot to learn. And he came in really quickly and imparted an intentional culture that helped us kind of, you know, establish a strong foundation, help us find a new identity, maybe even craft a new way of working that paid dividends down the road. And it was, you know, it was kind of being on the front row seat of that transformation mm -hmm. that taught me the importance of talent, but also of culture and the impact that it had on performance. And I think that as I progressed through my career, and had the opportunity to, uh, as you had mentioned earlier, be the global head of talent, is that really is when it galvanized for me that importance of understanding that it's not just having the best players or it's not just having the best formula or it's not just having the best comp plan or operating you know, model, et cetera. It's the combination and that culmination really of the culture that creates that identity and kind of gives a sense of purpose from an organizational perspective. And then when you start to you know, filter in good talent, you can really do a lot of really good things. And that's one of the things that I love most about that role is the opportunity of, you know, again, being across 60 different countries, being in the executive teams of many, many different organizations and seeing the impact of culture and, and, uh, and talent on the performance and the success of the organization. 
Yeah. So would you say that's what laid the foundation for you? Or did you have a leader then when you transitioned into the corporate world? And then I'm also curious why why transition into the corporate world? Because you played for the Green Bay Packers and everybody that is in America would go, why would you leave them? Well, they left me, let's be clear. So it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't me leaving them. They initiated the career change for sure. But look, I think that, and I joke when I talk to athletes, because I speak a lot to schools and teams, uh, even now, and kind of lean back on that resilience meets adaptability, because along the way, you just have to be able to perform in all types of situations. And I equate it to having bad coaches or having bad referees. I mean, still at the end, there's a game and you're either winning or losing. And I think that throughout my nearly 30 year career in the staffing space is there have been times when I've been afforded, you know, an amazing luxury of being, you know, kind of coached and led and mentored by good people. But at the same time, you know, I worked for huge organizations and there were, there were times where I wasn't necessarily getting value from them. And I would say even at the same time, too, is even as a leader, as I reflect on my own leadership skills throughout the path, is there were times where I felt like I was a lot more effective than others. Well, and eventually you got inspired to start your own companies. And I know Podium X kind of helps athletes like yourself ready to transition. And a lot of my clients love hiring athletes because they say they are great team players. And, you know, kind of like the title of your book says, pretty relentless in continuing until they succeed. Would you say that's also part of your success? Yeah, I think so, Birgit. I think it's a it's a great point. And I think part of it is it's my story. I was a history major. I really just, I was a bad student. I was just able to kick a ball a long ways and I was able to be afforded opportunities because of that. Hmm. And it wasn't until I was released from Green Bay and in the parking lot at Lambeau Field in the, you know, kind of the my father's voice is ringing in my head when he says, what the hell are you ever going to do with a history degree? Right. Mm -hmm. And so the one thing that I knew at that time is I had no idea where I wanted to go, but I knew what I wanted to do. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to coach and I wanted to lead. So I had one route where I could go traditionally and go coach, you know, a high school team or even in college, or I wanted to go try something a little bit different and kind of try that corporate route. It took me a while to get there, but I just love the idea of winning and losing. I love the idea of competing and I love the idea of learning. And so those are all, again, foundational things as an athlete that, you know, that I kind of took with me. I look at that and those skills the same in why we're doing what we're doing now. So we are at the core of what we do. We are a recruiting company for the staffing industry, mostly mid-tier managers up. But we have a nice little offering that we've launched a couple of years ago where we are only working with athletes that are transitioning mostly off of campuses because they were like me mm -hmm. at a, you know, a non-technical degree in really no direction. And so yeah. we have found that there's a, a, there are many companies out there that see the value um, in what an athlete can bring and they appreciate the transferable skills that the athletes have that may not show up in a traditional resume, but they've got all the likings of a lot of success if they can drop them into a good good environment, a good culture. Well, and you are a great model because you've been there, done that, and you've led many, many people. So I'm, I'm curious, is there one tool or two tools that you can share with new leaders, whether it's an assessment you use or how, how do you know to select the right people on your team? You know, that's really part of what's in the book is not the tool, but the way. 
Mm. And uh, I get often, I, I remember I was asked, uh, this has been a little while, but they said, um, you know, so what tool out there exists that you feel like is the most important as it relates to being able to connect with your team? And I said, your door. <laughs> yeah. But just keep it open. And, you know, one thing that I feel like that I've been able to be comfortable with is that I don't have this feeling that I have to have all of the answers. And I also take a lot of pride and I try to keep things at least structurally feeling flat where we're all approachable and we're all just trying to win. So, you know, as we talk about in the book is it comes down to, you know, communication, it comes down to coaching, it comes down to consistency, culture, um, but really connecting. And I think that that is one thing that is a bit of a lost art in this digital age of just purely just connecting with people, you know, not just being present, of course, but, you know, when you're bringing somebody in, they're going to join your team, make sure that, you know, you feel good about them, that you feel like you like them, you know, enough that you would want to spend time with them and grow them. Mm -hmm. But at the same time that they have a very good sense of what your expectations are. And of course, what their job descriptions, you know, is. Yeah. Which courage, you know, as a leader to ensure that you're keeping them on path, you're communicating with them, but that you're approachable more than anything else. So it's, you know, I don't know that I have a trick. I don't know that I've got a tool. I just know that, you know, all employees, all people are either connected to their boss, they're connected to their role, they're connected to their team, or they're connected to their organization. And so it's your job as their leader to figure out where are their connection points and can you strengthen the other ones or the ones that are weaknesses. Mm. Yeah, especially these days uh, with with a lot of virtual work, uh, being able to stay connected is key, right? Super hard. And it's um, sometimes almost impossible. I find myself really stressing about that. So in our staff, we've got about half of our people that are not, you know, where we are located. They're working remotely and mm -hmm. even sometimes in other states. And so it's just intentionally taking the time to engage in a non-work-related, uh, you know, way from time to time just to get an opportunity to understand them. Yeah. To me, it sounds like you have been very successful as a leader starting early on. So I'm, of course, curious, did you ever have a leadership blind spot or did you ever struggle as a leader? Yeah, and I think it's hard. And again, one of the things that I liked about the space that I was in, so staffing and recruiting, is that it's 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 a brutal business, as you know. It is very hard to run a desk. It takes a lot of volume and it takes a lot of grit. And you know, you just got to relentlessly show up every single day. As such, there's opportunity in it. So you can become a young, inexperienced leader if you can just be tough and get a little bit lucky and produce, which is kind of, I think, my story. So I look back in my early days, my blind spot was really underestimating the loneliness of leadership mm. when you're trying to grow. And so as such, there's the tendency of relying on uh, people along the way that maybe weren't good choices, whether you befriend them because they're inside of your inner circle, or you're just kind of betting on them and kind of promoting them, even though they're not ready. So I find myself, you know, my blind spot is... I'm super transparent, I'm very direct, but I'm quick to decide. And so I think that there are times where when I get, you know, rambunctious, right, or mm -hmm. passionate or excited, that I want to move too quickly. And I find that I must surround myself with people that slow me down and really kind of test the decisions. Mm. 
So what was the aha moment when you when you realized that? Well, very good. Unfortunately, there have been many, right? <laughs> and there have been aha moments that have happened 20 years later. That's that's not too late, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think it's just, you know what, people, it's again, you're betting on people and sometimes they just let you down. And I can think of times where, you know, even even most recently where there have been people that I've had close relationships with along the way, but because I'm not in the role that I was in before and thus maybe potentially not bringing the same value from a relationship perspective as I once could, you know, I'm kind of now out of scope, I guess you could say. Mm. So it sounds to me like, Early on as a leader, you struggle with the with the lines between friendships and and being a boss. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent for sure. And like I said, especially for me, I mean, period, right? So, you know, I I was in the organization, I was promoted quickly, and then I was moved. So not only was I promoted, but I was promoted and I was moved to a location that I had no friends, right? So now you yeah. get dropped in, you know, you get dropped in, and now it's like, okay, so you got to run fast, you got to run with people. But the only thing that you know is you got to work, you got to perform, you got to produce, and you're surrounded by these people, you know? So it's just that that recognizing, you know, the balance and the difference between, you know, peer and boss that is yeah. sometimes tricky. Yeah. Well, a lot of leaders could probably relate to that. But as we start to wrap up the show, you've probably been through several crises in life and in business. So what tip or two do you have for new leaders regarding how to make it through a crisis? Well, I think the hardest thing, Barry, and I'll equate it to sports, and then I'll bring it back, is, you know, one of the hardest things, it's like, I think Mike Tyson said, look, everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the face, right? (laughs) Yeah. And so um, I think there's the intention of having a strategy or having a plan. And I think that um, there's a tendency that, again, uh, depending on where you are in your track or in your career, it's, and I've always said, you know, you can, I, I think it's almost okay to lose if the game plan isn't good before you lose in not executing executing the game plan. And you see that in sports, right? As the team goes in at halftime, they're losing, and you can tell they have completely rewritten the playbook, and now things are completely off the rails. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, there it's just hard to impart confidence, you know, in inside of a leader if they're not confident in themselves. And I think that more times than not, you know, if you've elevated to a level, you should have the confidence and you should feel comfortable enough that in what you're doing, if as long as you do it well and you do it with good people, you know, you're going to be successful. And I think in times of crisis or when maybe things hadn't gone the way that you thought that they would or that you would like for them to, is it's very easy to bail out. And that goes back to that, you know, have a foundation and just be consistent, right? So just kind of keep learning. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. And, uh, and kind of run forward. I and mean, it's one of those lessons that I tell, again, these kids that I talk to. It's like, look, mistakes only suck if you're doing them passively, right? Mm-hmm. If you're making mistakes aggressively, that's a learning moment. Keep doing that. And don't do the same ones over and over and over, right? Learn from it. Yeah. But you know what? Just grow, run, you know, and don't worry about it. All things will fall into place. And be relentless, which I bet they can learn even more uh, by reading your book about that topic. (laughs) So, 
Well, I appreciate you, you know, taking the time to come on the show and share some of your insights because you've been in so many different places and so many different areas. So if people want to know more about what you currently do in, in your three companies, I'll put that in the description. But PodiumX.com uh, is the one that you, you know, have referred to a few times in this episode. And thank you again for being here and continuing to lead. Birgit, thanks for all that you're doing. I'm proud of you. And it's been fun to reconnect after all these years.